Welcome to the Discipleship Now podcast, hosted by Dr. Matthew Turner, an author, ordained minister, and father of three. Dr. Turner has pastored, held multiple ministry leadership roles, and currently serves as the Mission USA Administrator of the Congregational Holiness Church. In each episode, we'll dive into different aspects of discipleship, sharing personal stories and experiences, as well as insights and teachings from the Bible. Our hope is that this podcast will serve as a source of encouragement and inspiration for all who listen, whether you're a seasoned Christian or just beginning your journey of faith. So, Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join Dr. Matthew Turner on this journey of discipleship. Matthew 419 has become the verse that has changed my life drastically. The words of Jesus within that verse are simple in their definition. They have no troubling cadence, and on the surface, they're just really easy to move past. However, when you allow the Holy Spirit to begin unraveling the words of the Son of God, you realize that there is much more to those 10 simple words. Hello, I'm Dr. Matthew Turner, and welcome to Discipleship Now, where we discuss family, ministry, and life through the lens of biblical discipleship. And in this episode, I want to discuss something about the words of Jesus that I didn't write about in my newest book, Follow Him. If you've not received a copy of my newest book, Follow Him, I would love for you to check it out on my website, MatthewRyanTurner.com. The book goes into detail of each word that Jesus spoke in Matthew 4.19 and applies it to our lives today. And there's other products that are available as well that go along with the book, like videos and merchandise. So I hope that you will avail yourself to those products today. However, as I've moved on from writing the book And I continue to study and look at these words that Jesus spoke here in this verse. There are other things that the Spirit of the Lord has just illuminated for me. And I wanted to share some of that with you today on this podcast. When Jesus encountered Peter and Andrew on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, the two young men were busy working on their nets and their boat, and Jesus walks to them or past them, and somehow or another, he calls out to them, gets their attention, and Peter and Andrew immediately knew that Jesus was speaking to them, and he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. In those few moments that it took for Jesus to speak those words, the power of God grabbed the hearts of those two men and convinced them that number one, there was something different about this person that was speaking to them. They were good Jewish boys. They had surely heard many orators before speak on the word of God. They'd heard messages in different various ways before, but something was different about when Jesus spoke to them. It grabbed their attention and let them know that Jesus was not just any ordinary person, and certainly not just another person walking on the seashore that day. But not only that, they realized that they needed to follow this man. They heard him say, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately decided, Scripture tells us in Matthew 4.20, they immediately decided to stop what they were doing and begin following him. That is incredible to me, amazing 
to me that they would drop everything that they were doing in that very moment and begin to follow Jesus. And when Jesus spoke to them, I think it's so important to note that he spoke twice as much about himself as he did these two men. He spoke twice as much about himself than he did the two men he was speaking to. This is really important and something I'd never thought about before. Listen to the first four words of Matthew 4, 19. He said, follow me and I, and then he finishes, we'll make you fishers of men. In the first four words, Jesus speaks and he speaks and draws attention to himself when he talks to these two young men. He says, follow me and I. Did you catch that? Those first four words, Jesus calls the attention of these two men to himself rather than causing them to focus on themselves. This, I believe, was a strategic move on our Savior's part. Anytime that Jesus spoke, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was saying, and he had a purpose behind what he said and how he said it. And this is a great example of Jesus's priority on his words and what he was saying. He said, follow me and I. He drew the attention of Peter and Andrew to himself rather than causing them to look at their own selves. Jesus knew that first, if he revealed the whole plan of salvation of of the entire world and the destiny of humanity within the first few moments of the introduction that Peter and Andrew had with Jesus, their brains might have just exploded right off of their head. Jesus also knew that if he caused them to look at their own selves for, for strength and knowledge and wisdom that was going to be needed to become the leaders that he desired for them to be, they would very quickly realize that they didn't measure up and they might have said, no, thank you, Jesus. You need to call somebody else. You need to go to the synagogue. You need to go to the temple and find somebody that has knowledge and wisdom already. We're just two young boys, most likely teenagers or early 20s at least. And they would have realized that they are not the people that Jesus was looking for. But that's not what Jesus did at all. Jesus told them right at the beginning I have something for you, but in order for you to do what I've called you to do, you're going to have to look to me. You're going to have to rely on me. He said, follow me and I. This is really what Jesus did and the Lord did when God called Moses in the book of Exodus. Moses in this incredible place in scripture in Exodus chapter three, where God speaks to Moses from a burning bush, and he calls him to return to Pharaoh in Egypt. But this time he would not be returning as a son of Pharaoh, but he would be returning as the one who would lead the children of Israel out of slavery. You remember that amazing story, right? Moses is out tending his father-in-law's flock in Exodus chapter 3, and, and something catches his eye, and he didn't realize to begin with that it was a burning bush, but he realizes something is going on on the side of the mountain. So he, he decides that he's going to go investigate. So he walks up seemingly part of the mountain until he gets to this place where the bush is being burnt, burnt but it is not 
being consumed. So there's this there's this supernatural fire in and around this bush, but it's not being consumed like a normal fire would consume a, a dry bush. And in these scriptures in Exodus chapter 3, the Bible says that Moses, uh, after he hears the voice of God and uh, is called to go back to Egypt, Moses asks this question to the Lord. He says in Exodus 3.11, Who am I? Who am I? So God is telling him he's got them he's got this great plan and this great future and destiny for him and Moses's first response was who am I this is this is a this is a beautiful place of seeing the human condition because you and I do the exact same thing we hear the voice of God we feel the tug of God on our heart and our life and our first response is but God I can't do that. There's no way that I could do something like that. That's exactly what Moses is doing in the 11th verse of chapter 3 of Exodus, where he says, who am I? God, there's no way I can do that. Look at me. Listen to how I talk. Listen to listen to, to all the things that I've done, the mistakes that I've made. Who am I? And as they continue this conversation between Moses and God, Moses asks for God's name in verse number 14 of Exodus 3. And you know the story. God speaks that incredible name. He says, he says, I am that I am has sent you or will send you. That's what you're supposed to tell the children of Israel. I am has sent you. And they continue the conversation on and it continues on in the chapter four. And Moses is still looking at himself. He still is not convinced that he's the right person. He's still not convinced that God is, has dialed the right number or went to the right address. He keeps looking at himself and he comes to this place in Exodus 4.10 where he says, God, I'm not eloquent of speech. We're not exactly sure if that means that Moses had some sort of, of a speech impediment or perhaps a lisp or maybe Moses was just incredibly nervous to speak in front of people. He just said, I'm not eloquent of speech. You've got the wrong person. And God seemingly gets a little bit frustrated, as I could probably understand. He has gotten frustrated with me a many a time. And God seemingly gets frustrated, and he speaks in verse number 11, and he says, who has made man's mouth? And who has made the, the seeing or the blind, the deaf or the mute? Have not I? God gets this almost frustrated tone with Moses and he says listen you've got it all wrong you're looking to yourself for the answers you're looking to yourself for strength and for um for the wisdom that you need but I have made you I'm the one that has called you I'm the one that is going to send you not you yourself I am doing it this is exactly what Jesus is doing in Matthew 4:19 when he calls Peter and Andrew with the words that he spoke where he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is incredible. He tells Peter and Andrew with the words that he spoke that he has this amazing life, this amazing ministry waiting on them. But in order for them to walk in it, their minds, their hearts, their wills, and everything about their lives must be focused on him, on Jesus 
rather than themselves. And I want to encourage you today that whatever Jesus has called you to do, maybe you're in the ministry or maybe you're in some other type of field that God is using you in, such as the medical field or maybe the political realm or even even as a lawyer or a mechanic or whatever it is that God has gifted you in and taught you. Maybe you've been to school and you, you're in some sort of profession. Whatever God has called you to do and to be an example for him, he does not expect you to look to your own self for the strength and the wisdom to be able to do what he's called you to do. No, God wants you to rely on him. Let me ask you, let me ask you this question. If you could rely on yourself for the strength, the wisdom, the ability to do what God has called you to do, what would you need God for? What would you need him for? Why would we ever pray? Why would we ever put our trust in him if we could just figure it out all on our own? No, God's not created us that way. He's not created this world that way. No, he wants us to rely on him, to draw strength and power from his ability rather than our own. There's this beautiful place in the book of John where some of the followers of John the Baptist came to him somewhat upset about Jesus. You can kind of hear it in their voice. I'm going to read the scriptures in just a moment. And John responds to his followers in an amazing way. Listen to what the scripture says in John chapter 3, verses 25 through 31. It says that a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew, and this certain Jew, by the way, is Jesus, over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people, and everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. Don't you hear their they're, they're a little bit upset. They're a little bit confused. They, they're like, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. Uh, you're the one that baptized Jesus. Jesus didn't baptize you. People should be coming to you, John, instead of Jesus. Listen to John's reply in verse 27 through 31. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I'm filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Man, I love John's response to his disciples. I get where John's disciples were coming from, kind of in a natural way of looking at things, kind of in our own human way. We would we'd, we might say the same thing. Wait a minute, John. Jesus' following is starting to rival yours and maybe even getting bigger than yours, and people are going to him rather than coming to us, coming to you. And John's response is, he must become greater and I must become less. John had this beautiful attitude and outlook on life 
and he got it. He understood what he was supposed to do and what we're supposed to do today, that we can't look to our own strength. We can't look to ourselves. No, our eyes must be completely and utterly focused on him. John knew that Jesus was the one on whom we should all focus on, that he was greater than anyone because he is the son of God. And I want to encourage you today that you don't have to look within to find the strength or the power to do what God has called you to do. No, you just need to look to Jesus, focus on him, and he'll give you what you need. That's why when he called Peter and Andrew in Matthew 4, 19, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He called their attention to himself. He spoke twice as much about himself as he did the disciples. And that, my friend, is exactly what God wants to do in our lives as well. He wants us to focus on him. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Discipleship Now. Keep your eyes on Jesus and follow him. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Discipleship Now podcast hosted by Dr. Matthew Turner. We hope this episode has encouraged and inspired you on your faith journey. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others who might benefit from these conversations. Until next time, keep seeking Jesus and growing in your discipleship journey.